Welcome to the Legendarium. If some enterprising listener wants, they could probably just pull that audio of me, me t- saying to Ryan, do you have a bigger one? And you could, you could get some mileage out of that. <laughs> Welcome everybody back to the Legendarium podcast. Today is uh, a, a doozy of an episode because not only is it our Robert Jordan retrospective, uh, but it is also episode number 150. And so a bit of a milestone. It won't be as much of a milestone as 200. I'm sure we'll have a big party for 200, but 150 still is uh, pretty good for a weekly show. 200 will last for three days and it'll end us with a, junk, a drunken fight of some That's kind. That's right, exactly. Um, now today, we, like I said, it's our Robert Jordan retrospective. And I do want to point out for anybody listening in, uh, you probably want to have read The Wheel of Time at least up through book 11 because that's how far we've read and that's as far as we'll be discussing. Uh, but anyway, just general spoiler spoiler alert for those books if you care about such things. Anyway, uh, now let's uh, go ahead and dive into the show. I'm your host, Craig Hanks, and I have not prepared insults today because I was a guest on another podcast and so I didn't have time to do it. So, Ryan, you're lame. Ken, you're dumb. Yeah. Kyle, you're ugly. I like your haircut, though. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah. For an ugly haircut. For, yeah, for an ugly guy, you for, sure do have a nice yeah. haircut. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, welcome, you guys. And uh, let's let's talk Robert Jordan after we do a, a little bit of our normal housekeeping. And this one's going to be slightly different. I will, of course, point out patreon.com slash legendarium is where you can go support the show on an ongoing basis. And the legendarium.reddit.com is where you can go join the conversation that we have uh, throughout the week and between episodes. Now, there is one other thing I'm going to be doing soon, and this will be of interest to anybody listening to the podcast right now. And what I'm doing is uh, I'm going to start a... What is it? Is it is it GoFundMe? Mm-hmm. I think is the one we probably would want to use because yeah. uh, one where it pays us regardless of how much we exactly get. <laughs> we don't have to hit you know ten grand or whatever. Uh, no, the reason I'm doing that is because I've mentioned uh, many times already that we're working our way into video, and it was quite uh, quite the pleasant surprise when I moved into this house that we're currently in about five months ago or so. We moved into this house and there's a wood shop out back. And it finally occurred to me during a recent discussion with Ryan that, hey, I have this wood shop out back. Let's convert it to a video studio. And great. Okay, we'll we'll spend, you know, $1,000, $1,500 fixing this thing up and we'll panel it and we'll uh, put new flooring down and it'll be great. Uh, well, I went out there and started demolitioning the crap out of this thing. I'm tearing down walls and pulling down insulation. And it was like every time I pulled something off the wall, a nest of something would come out. Basically, basically you've uncovered Shelob's lair. Exactly. I was was literally working in Shelob's lair for like three days straight. It was disgusting and all the wood was rotted and the most of the shed is like 60 years old it looks like a mountain man originally settling the salt lake valley came in and just stuck some tree branches together and put a roof <laughs> on it and then hid it behind his wood shop that is <laughs> right. not that is not terribly any generic serial killer movie hideout 
burial site. That's yeah, what it is. This is Just it. Picture that. <laughs> no, seriously. And you, I you wonder why we haven't seen Todd in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I was I was actually a little bit heartbroken because uh, I was excited to get started on video sooner uh, than we're going to be able to. Um, I mean, we can do little things here and there, and that's fine. But in a serious way, we'll need that studio space up and running. And I, I was a little bit heartbroken because now I have to tear the whole thing down, which costs money and time. And then I have to build the whole thing back up, which costs even more money and even, and more, even time. more time. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm going to be asking for your help. Now, here's the kicker. And the reason why this will be interesting to you. We're going to be on GoFundMe, and I'll, I'll blast out that page sometime soon. But we're going to combine this with everybody else's favorite topic, which is what are you guys going to read next? Okay, so we obviously we get this all the time. People are saying you need to read Joe Abercrombie or you need to read Patrick Rothfuss, Patrick Rothfuss or whatever. <clears throat> and so what we're going to do is come up with our top five list. Here are the five things that we think would be good candidates to read next. And your favorites will probably be on the list. Don't worry. And then on the GoFundMe page, you will be able to buy votes. Okay, this is this is the opposite of true democracy. You are going to buy votes. And uh, so I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what the denominations are going to be. $1, $5, $10 per vote, something. We'll figure it out. Uh, but you'll be able to vote on which series you would like us to read next. And, uh, and the most generous fan base will get their story read next. And then I think Ryan, you were making the suggestion like that uh, that you know we rank them, and so it's not like second place isn't going to get read. Yeah, It'll, you know the, these will be the next things that we read. That's and not a bad idea. Yeah. So anyway, uh, look forward for that uh, or to that, and go to thelegendarium.reddit.com, and I will blast the uh, the GoFundMe page out there soon, and do the same on Facebook as well. So is that? Uh, Sound good to you guys? I have a really uh, poetic metaphor for the Wheel of Time and our uh, studio project. Oh, I, yes. I'm... But it's full of spoilers, so I've got to wait till we're done with the Wheel of Time, uh... and then I will reveal what this project is in I... Wheel of Time metaphor. Uh, I think I, I literally just read that chapter in book 12, Okay. Uh, so I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. So uh, anyway, we'll, I guess, what's is that your, uh, is that your version of the tease? Like come sure. come back next week. I'm just a tease. for this great analogy. Except for it's gonna be like come back in three months when the analogy <laughs> right. is is usable. This, yeah, right. Analogy <laughs> is cogent. Well, I mean, if it's if it's in the I can't remember exactly where it's all revealed because it's been a while. But if it's in the gathering storm, we could probably tease yeah. it out in there. But I am the resident tease. <laughs> hey, put your shirt back on. With that oh, haircut, sorry. you sure are. Uh, by yeah. the way, speaking of upcoming series, Hello, uh, friends. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let the listeners know. Uh, these guys already know, but uh, the advanced review copy of Oathbringer is coming in, and so we are going to be ready with our review soon. Soon. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, that we can get uh, at least some thoughts to you via podcast the day of or maybe the day after the release. Uh, and so I hope you guys are all looking forward to that. We are very much looking forward to that. And uh, anyway, so that might, the reason I bring that up, Kyle, is because it might push off sure. 
uh, one of the Wheel of Time books a little bit, and that's that's fine. Whatever. I expect the initial review to be something along the lines of girlish squealing. No, but, that's you, Ken. Yeah, I mean, I Ken, don't know the, what the guy who doesn't dislike anything ever. I, I don't know what your reviews will be like, but I'm just. I saying. see. I'm the guy who dislikes everything all the time. So it's why it, we have balance. That's right. <laughs> you dislike everything. We are the force. Ken likes everything. Only everything. I try and Sanderson. find a little bit of the middle there, and Kyle cracks the jokes. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I do. Uh, and makes the drinks. So what do you think? Eight minutes in, should we uh, talk about Robert Jordan? <laughs> if they're still listening, yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, okay. So Robert Jordan was an American author best known for. I'm not really doing that. That's, <laughs> that's not a thing. But we have now read eleven. Robert Jordan books and we're about to embark on Sanderson stuff uh, and so we wanted to pause here and pay a little bit of tribute uh, to this guy who wrote uh, one of the seminal fantasy series of the last 50 years right so I I put some thoughts on or, or asked some questions on reddit and we got a lot of thoughts back but I wanted to start with you guys um Especially, Ken, since you are the newest newcomer to Wheel of Time. I am. Tell me a little bit about your initial thoughts on Robert Jordan as an author in the Wheel of Time so far. I tried, honestly, to, to get into the Wheel of Time before. Uh, before I, uh, there was a podcast, before we were on the podcast, I, I, I got like two pages in and I stopped. I was like, oh my like, gosh. What's all this, this damn is, wind? Yeah, this is this is long. This is, oh my goodness. And, and so... Yeah, you going, probably didn't even get to that part. You're probably like, who's this yeah, I was prologue like, character? I was yeah, like, no. Tam, Al- Tam Althor. These names are weird. I'm out, you know? Yeah, no. yeah. I so I so I, I, you know, went back when we started reading The Wheel of Time. And again, it took me a little bit to, you know, kind of punch through some of the names and stuff. But man, I, it immediately became clear, this guy knows how to write a world. And so it, it was... It was something I was like, okay, I got to stick around with this a little bit longer because the characters were interesting enough, but the world was was really what got me. I'm like, wow, he he put some serious time into this. And as I got reading, I found I don't remember what book it was. In. It was a couple books in, but all of a sudden I was like, I really got to get to the end of this. I got to get to the next book. I've got to get, I've got to see where this is going. He really did a great job of of hooking me in as a guy who was resistant to get into it in the first place. Yeah, yeah, he he did. He hooked me, in. and now I, every single character, some little more than others, has something of value to me, and I I am interested to see what happens with them. So, Ryan, do you have any initial thoughts, or should I ask you one of the questions I asked to the redditors? So I'll give you a little thought, and then you can toss one toss one my way. One of the things about Wheel of Time on your initial read through that I really appreciate, Robert Jordan. It is the feeling you get when you walk into a giant building or some immense hall. You just look around and go, there is so much here. I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know really what am I supposed to be paying attention to. But then when you take the time to find the numbered signs of the audio tour and actually go around and figure it out, like, there's so much beauty to the detail while still maintaining this wonderful feeling of an immense existing work of art so okay i i, I want to see if i got your analogy this is like walking through notre dame or never been to notre dame but sure <laughs> sure you walk in and just where do i look what do i do there's so much and then follow along and there it is there's a plenty of detail but you can always look somewhere else and see something going on that's really so cool. when one of my on one of my trips to france uh, a little while ago my wife and i went and saw the bayou tapestry 
and it's this uh it's like 66 meters long and it's like two feet tall or something and it depicts the norman invasion of 1066 and if you just went and looked at it you'd go oh yeah that's wow that's interesting that they made this almost a thousand years ago and you know and kind of told this story but if you grab that audio tour and it'll tell you okay now you're here on this picture and this picture is talking about this event and this character you know and and it kind of guides you through that so mm-hmm. i think that's similar to what you're yeah. talking about i, I had yeah. an experience very much like that i say it's very much like i don't know if you've ever been to pearl harbor yeah yes. oh yeah. yeah but you walk into pearl harbor and you know there's there's definitely a feeling as you walk in and it's just you know awe-inspiring just for the gravity of the the event and everything like that and uh like to Ryan's point, you don't know where to start. There's so many things that you can look at or learn about. And as soon as you get that audio tour and it takes you from each sign to the next sign, you start to learn about individual soldiers and individual circumstances that happened that day. Right. And it unfolds to you just even more so how huge of an event that was and how devastating that was. So. So you, so you open up these books and if somebody just, if you could somehow have the world laid before you, the, the world of Randland, without having to read the story, you would look at this giant thing and you'd say, he, there, there are how many nations and it's how many miles across and there are, uh, and there's how much history involved. Oh my gosh, this guy well, really built something huge. And But then you read mm-hmm. the story and he kind of he and I signposts think, you through it. I think... One of the things that I think is so cool about this series is that he was very self-aware of the story that he was about to tell and used a very um, precise analogy in the pattern um, and that, that this story or he, you know, he describes the world as a pattern that's being woven into or people's lives are being woven into this different tapestry and every thread is unique. And if you put that onto the actual story itself, it just works perfectly. And so what I really appreciate appreciate about Robert Jordan is his ability to take that scope and just that he was so self-aware that he was able to pin that down from the get-go um, before he even started writing the story. Like that there is so much detail and the the more you want to focus in on minor details the more you're going to get out of this story but you can step back and appreciate the whole tapestry or whole pattern and then you get to moments oh, where there's a weird horse guy in the middle of the tapestry or something's going on <laughs> you're like what is this oh it's val and luca got it oh, it's, it's, it's that that makes no menagerie. sense to the rest of this but well, why are there elephants it, it was really good as as somebody who came into it at the beginning it was good to get bits and pieces at first because if i had seen that entire you know map and the, and the grand scope of everything is like too long didn't read you know like I, this is this is so much but to have it set out there's a reason that by book five or six you're really feeling in the groove because you you have to get there in there, steps there are so we're 11 books in and i've i've kind of just started the uh, uh book 12 the first sanderson book and he has referenced a country in randland a couple of times and I'm sitting there reading it going, I know I've heard that name, but I know nothing about it. But they're talking about it like, uh, you know, it's just a, a matter of course. 
And it's just the world is so huge that, yeah, okay, I, almost, I know what Andor is. I understand what Kyrian is. Uh, Tyr is kind of uh, maybe by the ocean, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I get a few of these things. And then he'll throw out like, wait, what's Aradoman? And why do, wh- who's there? Oh, shoot. And it takes a long time yeah. to really get your feet under you here. You almost have to. For me, it got to the point where I, it's less about remembering the lands. And it's what character came out of that land that's yeah. influenced the main story. It's like... Okay, I know you know what's going on in Ibu Dar because the bowl was there, and okay, okay, oh yeah, okay, and it's always some character or event that is referenced in those lands. That because yeah, if you asked me, you know where Saldea is, Borderlands, Borderlands, yeah. somewhere maybe. It's where Fael's from, yeah. and Bashir, Bashir. her Gavram, dad, Gavram Bashir. Uh, anyway, all right, so. Let me then uh, switch gears. We've been talking about the world building. So that answer is is off limits because I think a lot of authors have built some really, really cool worlds. But uh, a question I wanted to kick to you guys that I also asked the Redditors, and maybe I can read some of their comments as well, is uh, what did he do better than anyone else? Now, and, and that's tough to say because nobody can read everybody, and so you never know what else is lurking out there. But in your opinion and in your experience, what did Robert Jordan do better than anyone? And uh, the Reddit user down 42 roads um, said something that I think we've been getting at already, which is not only did he build a world, um, but he presented that world better than all the rest of them. That's uh, it's certainly a debatable proposition, but I think it's a defensible one. Uh, absolutely. He, I think it's defensible. Yeah, yeah, he told a very personable story through his land right and i think it comes down to his technique of revealing his world which was one of the things that i was going to point out as what he does better than anybody else um is that he transitions from third person omniscient to third person limited very seamlessly in his writing so he um you know the the classic example is in the first chapter of every book when the wind interacts with something He's starting in third-person omniscient as the narrator and just kind of talking about the wind and the wheel and everything that's going on. And he transitions as that wind interacts with the character and then all of a sudden you're inside that character's mind. And I've never seen anybody get inside the mind of a character quite as well as Robert Jordan, especially when you consider he has like... 2000 and something named characters in the series and they all <laughs> yeah. you know with 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 exceptions but they all feel unique and individual I mean, with, with the big exception being anyone of the brown aja who is not named varin <laughs> anyone mm. of the female species that is just <laughs> has some of the same anyways but he does a very very good job of getting you into the minds of these characters and I think that that's why a lot of people, when they finish this series, feel a sense of loss because you've basically built a relationship with these fictional characters over the course of 14 books. And it's because of his ability to get inside their minds and have you as a reader experience what they're going through with that uh, third person limited point of view. Yeah, that makes sense. Ken, do you have any response to what he does better than anyone? A lot of a lot of the um, 
what I was thinking of was along that line, which I'm not going to say because that would just be talking about Kyle's point. So, <laughs> okay, so We've made himself aware this oh, is a problem. Ken. He's become sentient. We, we busted Ken's balls a little bit on Reddit. I hope you'll forgive us. No, it's fine. Although, yeah, anyway. Um, I One of the points that, that I thought of was was good and, and bad. We can talk about the bad later, but uh, in, in that's the sense that it, it is very, very long, which means that he is able to include incredible depth and not, not just, you know, the, the grand size of it all, but he's, he's able to tell you every little detail of all of these places that he's been. <laughs> Ibudar is, um, seems like a, a dirty little, um, uh, Harbor town. And, uh, Falma is a, a here's the history of Falma, which we never really see, but it's alluded to when we have a fight. And here's uh, I, I'm running out of uh, ideas now because there are so many. I mean, yeah. but he he has such depth to every single one of them. It's not just here are these 75 places and we'll visit every one of them. It's here's the history of all of these 75 places. Right. So. uh I want to get on to uh, to the second question that I asked on Reddit, which, you know, the first one was, what did you love and what did you do well? The second one was, what were some of his shortcomings? What complaints might you have? But I think we'll let that be a tease. And first, we should do maybe a little different Something we haven't done in a while. Second, something we haven't done here. It's Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia. <laughs> trivia. <laughs> Just kidding. It's Ryan's Robert Jordan trivia. Yeah. Uh, just, so yeah, kick us off here, and we'll we'll play this for a few minutes, and then we'll go back to our our general discussion. Yeah, I decided it would be worthwhile to maybe just you know do a little bit of information about the author themselves. You know, we've yeah. discussed their works, yeah. maybe get to know a little bit more about them. Um, this is we'll see how much you know, and some of the people at home will have a chance to play along yell a little at bit. Us. Yell, no, you're totally wrong about that. Um, but here's the first one, and should be fairly easy. Uh, Robert Jordan is actually the pseudonym of our illustrious author, one of many. Do you know his real name? <laughs> Give uh, your phone away. Quick, okay, yeah. quick. I know it, but I feel like that's cheating. It's like it's James that something, cheating? right? Just because I'm the, the person that's read it like a thousand times. And well, yeah, that James, just means you're uh, going to win. James that's Rigney? Okay. Is that right. Yeah, James Oliver Rigney. James Rigney. Oliver Rigney Jr. Jr. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Ken. Ken with the trivia. Well, you know, that's what I do. He wrote under three other pen names. Can you name any of his other pen names? Ooh. Three other pen names? One of them was Chinese. It was. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember it. Uh, no, I have no idea. Nope. They use, he always uses the same initials. The uh, RJ. RJ or JR, whichever. Uh, wait, With the what exception about, of his Chinese. Yeah. Reagan O'Neill. Yep. Reagan O'Neill. That's um, not an RJ. Okay. Jackson O'Reilly. Well, Oliver would be his middle initial, so he's... Using, using his own initials. His own initials. No way. He wrote dance criticism as yeah, Chang that was Lung. His, that was his Chinese one. <laughs> he wrote dance and theater critique as Chang Lung. He wrote a Western called Cheyenne Raiders as Jackson O'Reilly. And he wrote The Fallon Blood, The Fallon Legacy, and The Fallon Pride, which are historical fictions as Reagan O'Neill. Huh. He also <laughs> worked on the Conan series for a long time. Yeah, yep. you wrote like eight Conan books. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Was that uh, pre-Wheel of Time? It was. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that's uh, it's an interesting thing. I, I read, I recently was reading a, a kind of first time author uh, f uh, debut novel, 
And I was like, yeah, this is really not as polished as what I'm used to. Um, and, and I guess what I'm used to is people who are really at the top of their game, right? Mm-hmm. When you have somebody like Robert Jordan in the, you know, book five of the Wheel of Time or book 11 of the Wheel of Time. This is somebody who's at the top of their game. You read Sanderson or you read, you know, whoever. Yeah. Like, these are people who have been writing for a long time before they ever wrote the thing that you're reading. Yeah. You know, anyway, that blah, blah, blah. So this guy was around the block a few times. Yeah, and he actually got his start really early with literature and knew he was going to be a writer at a very early age because he learned to read at a super young age. What age did he learn to read? Three. <laughs> Close. Two. Four. Four. 18 months. He know. taught himself to read at age four with, it says, with you know maybe some help from his brother. But by age five, he had read, he had come to love two authors specifically that he mentioned. Do you know who those two authors were? Um, by what age five age five dr seuss <laughs> and, robert uh, louis stevenson uh, <laughs> c.s uh, lewis and maurice yeah, sendak Tolkien. <laughs> it was mark twain and jules verne oh, okay uh we Actually. have not read any mark twain on the podcast maybe we should do uh we should do uh I've connecticut been, yankee and king arthur's court or something yeah i've been considering the idea of uh doing a segment of classics the legendary reviews the classics yeah. or doing something like that would be fun only, be if we, awesome. only if we get like velvet robes and, it was and smoking, 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 smoking jackets, jackets smoking jackets and tall and back tall yeah. back chairs smoking jackets and pipes and we all sit around talking about yes and you can make this possible by donating to the gofundme account (laughs) can we all talk like james lipton (laughs) can we get a can we get a one of those like paper fires in a fireplace and just have everything be really fake except the chairs we're sitting i demand a cognac snifter (laughs) (laughs) is what you have to look forward to folks (laughs) the the minds behind our video was that just the first question (laughs) that was the that's the three oh okay that's kind of four actually all right um, Jordan served two tours in the military during Vietnam. What was his job as a soldier? Chopper gunner. Sniper. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> he was a helicopter gunner. Yeah, he was. Wow. That would suck. No, that, well, it would suck to get shot at, but that would be no, awesome no, 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 job. no, no, that would, that would be the worst job ever. Right. It, it, no, I just mean like <laughs> you are exploding people. Uh, yeah, you're either exploding people or being exploded at so. exactly. Oh, Which yeah, is kind of a soldier's standpoint. Yeah, that would be awful. But that's a terrible job. Um, Jordan, I, here we go. Jordan belonged to a unique religious group, but did not disclose his membership until later in life to avoid negative press. What group? He was a Freemason. That's not a religious group so much. I put religious in air in quotes, quotes, but okay. I, you know, air quotes work so a well quasi, on a podcast. Quasi religious movement. Uh, yeah. What What would you call the Freemasons? I don't even know. That's a question for a different cast, I guess. And here's the last one. The Wheel of Time was heavily influenced by a specific religion. Robert Jordan specifically said this is kind of the one that he had, he pulled most of his influence from. Buddhism. Ken, you want to take a stab at this? Um, Methodism? <laughs> he was actually a... He was an Orthodox Presbyterian, I believe. Okay. But the religion that it has pulled most from was Hinduism. Oh, dang. Because he wanted to be able to express good and evil without it being two sides of the same coin. And Hinduism's belief in good and evil, which forgive me for anybody out there who's like... Who actually knows better. Who knows better than I I do in an internet search for a little while, is that it's more of a a scale of balance and not you're one or the other. Uh, Scale of balance. So basically, so it's the way that I want the Jedi to be rather than the way that George Lucas made them? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So you want them to be the Jedi Sedai? <laughs> yeah, we've already used Jedi Sedai, so I refuse to laugh too much, but yeah. 
No, I, I want the, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, if you're listening to this in three years, then we're about to get The Last Jedi in a few months. And I really want Luke Skywalker to, uh, to say, he, in, the, in the trailer, he's like, it's time for the Jedi to end. I, he's not Palpatine, but he, say, <laughs> he does say that. And, um, and I'm, I really want him to introduce the dark side, the balance of light and dark into the Jedi Code. I, I want it hard. The gray Jedi. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Yep. Those are the questions I got. Okay. All right. Very nice. I think I think we all learned something today. Craig Except for Kyle. Video. No, I I didn't actually know that he was a chopper gunner. I thought he was like a sniper, a sniper. or something like that. Either chopper way, gunner. you're chopper exploding gunner. people, and it's a terrible job. Ashman kill meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get to uh, back to the. Um, the questions that I had thrown out on Reddit. So the next one was, uh, you know, what, uh, what are some of his shortcomings? What are the things that you wish he did better? And if it's all right, I think I'll start off on this one, uh, because we've talked about, he, he built this amazing world and it was rich and detailed and had a lot of history and, uh, was unique in a lot of ways. And he had all these great characters and you can argue about how well he wrote, women and you know certain certain groups and that's fine but for the most part he had wonderful characters that were interesting and you care about and you want to keep reading them uh in my opinion where he uh he didn't fail but his uh possibly his biggest short shortcoming in a broad sense would be his storytelling and his structuring of a giant narrative where he had this idea and this is just kind of me spitballing here but he had this idea of the type of story he wanted to tell and he ended up taking a lot of detours and he wasn't very disciplined in how he told the story and so you get a lot of meanderings and uh, stuff that feels unimportant as you're reading it um, and that sort of thing and and also just kind of the story in general I think uh, if you strip it down to its absolute bare bones it's pretty cool the, you know the the wheel of time and the dark one versus the dragon and that's like that's pretty cool but then as you as he builds layers on top of the that the bones of that story sometimes n not all those layers were very good storytelling pieces so what keeps me moving is that mm -hmm. i i like the world and i like the characters but it wasn't always the story specifics that mm -hmm. uh, that really made me care i would be curious to hear this response again after a reread of the series maybe or even after finishing to the end well that's and that's yeah. the thing is that um i i still think it's a valid critique because yes he sure sh he should be keeping me more interested in the story as we go right um, right i shouldn't have to read four and a half million words to know that i cared about any of them Right. Yeah, but I would say yes. that you probably there are probably people in there that you care about and you haven't finished all the way through those four million words, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not look, I'm not saying he sucks at storytelling no, or something I'm, like that. Yeah. I'm just saying this isn't one of his I think no, I think I think that it's a fair critique because I think even when you do finish all the way to the end, I think that it could still be applied. Yeah. I think it would I'm with Ryan. I think it would be really interesting to get your opinion when you finished all the way through the end and if you were to ever do a reread because and that's that's a critique in and of itself, and we've talked about it before, is a lot of people say, well, it's so much better every time you reread it. There's so many layers, and you can reread it. You know, For me, this is my sixth time. People have read it 
a million times through and every time you uncover more things and that's one of the strengths but it's also one of the weaknesses because for a single read through and that's i think what you're getting at is sometimes it's difficult to understand why why should i care about this this is not a very linear story a storyline should be able like it, it should be able to stand on its own two feet without auxiliary secondary pieces having to come in you know doing a reread and things like that right so right. you're right and especially if you're trying to convince someone to to be to want to read fantasy or that this is one of the best fantasy series that has ever been written like it's it's okay to say that it's that's a shortcoming i think that it is by terms of shortcoming a pretty small like a small one do you have a bigger one a bigger shortcoming in his series um i don't not By the way, if if some enterprising listener wants, they could probably just pull that audio of me me t- <laughs> saying to Ryan, "Do you have a bigger one?" And you could you could get some mileage out of that. Um, for me, uh, not really. Do I have one that's uh, bigger in terms of affecting your reading experience? The bigger shortcomings I have are, or the, the shortcomings that I I read into it are things we've already kind of hit on in the sense of being able to write, um being able to write better female characters, being able to, some of the dialogue in certain areas is a little like you it, are needed. Yeah. I, I actually like that line. Some of it is, some of it is really good. And some of it's just kind of meh. Um, that, uh, that's just par for the course. You're going to write four and a half million words. You're probably going to have a few in there that are, <laughs> eh. yeah, sure. Um, but, uh, romance, those, those elements I feel were, that are a little bit weaker. Like the, yeah. That's on every read through. You're going to come across those things on every read through. It's right. not like on the third read through. Oh, I oh, get he it. Is good at romance. Yes, I all of a sudden get it. Yes, <laughs> I totally see why Lan and Nynaeve totally are all over each other. You know, by the end of book one, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yep. Clearly, they belong together. Uh, Ken, did you have uh, a response for uh, that one? To the shortcomings. The shortcomings. My my shortcomings are actually fairly fairly trivial. I don't think. I, I didn't come up with anything other than other than the length. I mean, which I think is kind of universal in, in varying degrees. But uh, my my biggest critique, I think, has has been the, the crutch of men's visions. I just I can't stand them. I, oh, men, men's m- vision. Men. I thought M-I-N. you said men's visions. My like, my what? my I, I just found every time I, I see any writing about her visions, I, I find it to just be so limiting and such a crutch. And it, especially the, the fact that, that, Oh, men's visions always come true. And so it, it except just, except for when they don't, except for when they don't, but they always come true. I mean, which is, which leads to the nonsense of Elaine running out into traffic because, Oh, I can't get hurt. These babies are going to be born. And you know, and all of that sort of, I just, I'm kind of interested as to why you call it a crutch because I yeah. love men's viewings because I, what it, it it's a very the only way I would call it a crutch is is it's a way of doing a tease and foreshadowing without having to you know do it subtly. I'm going to foreshadow something by having someone have a vision about it. Like that's the only way I would call it a crutch. I, Otherwise, and I think that's primarily where where I, I see it as a crutch. It's like, well, okay, now we don't have to see you know what's coming. Well, she just I, told us. You know, it's it's like any prophecy in any fantasy story. Mm-hmm. You read the prophecy and you're trying to piece how does the story fit into the these prophecies all we're doing in this case is saying there's a lot of little prophecies in her right. viewing and, and I, I get what ken's saying i think it's 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 a mechanism of plot armor so That's like for elaine for in the yeah. elaine instance like oh well men had a viewing about her so elaine can't get hurt so it is that plot armor because of the viewing so and i get right. what you're saying and, there. And, and that's why the argument or the uh the complaint is is 
it, by four and a half million words, it's trivial. It's not it's not a large scale complaint. Whereas, you know, if say something like this big prophecy that overrides the whole thing is absolute and this is the way it's going to happen. And now we don't have to read it. But in a, in small scale scene level scale it's it feels very crutchy at least they have the decency to generally be fairly vague the, yeah. my biggest problem with her viewings is sometimes i know what they are sometimes i don't mm-hmm. yeah like, okay. that's convenient <laughs> <laughs> that's my only one there i i just threw after 11 books i don't find i care very much about them i have a really big shortcoming but it's a spoiler so doggone it, Kyle. Ryan, I'll talk to you about it okay. after the take uh, after the recording. And your fancy haircut. If you get fools out of would here. read read the story all the way to the end, we could talk about it. You know? Spoiler <laughs> alert, everyone, I, I have finished the series by now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh okay, so let's move on then. And uh and I'll ask, do you have a favorite Robert Jordan penned line from the books? Um and I'm I'm not sure if I do off the top of my head but i know that some of the listeners did did you guys have one you wanted to throw out there or should i read something from one of the uh listeners um i have a couple but why don't you go ahead and read from the listeners really quick while i pull it up on my phone well first of all uh like three or four of them said oh the line at the very end the last line of the last book screw you guys (laughs) i I don't know what that is i had to go back and i was like what is that line and i went back and reread i'm like oh yeah i get it i get it I reread uh, the whole epilogue. Because I, of it. I will say that uh, I I can agree with uh, with Jeff Wu as Ryan puts it. <laughs> Jeff Wu, <And> Jeff Wu. <laughs> that he he uh, mentions the first line of every first chapter. The wheel. What is it? The wheel, the wheel. of time turns and ages come and pass, etc., yeah. etc. Et I think that's an incredibly strong opening paragraph and. It's so strong that he uh, felt justified in putting it at the beginning of every single book, which I think is extremely smart and valuable uh, because every time I start reading the next book in the series and I get to that line, so I've read this monstrous 150-page prologue, and then I I start with that line, the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, and et cetera, et cetera. It's very reassuring. It's very comforting, uh, just just knowing like, oh yeah, that you know what these characters are great. That last book was great. I'm excited to start the next one, and you don't have to. It, it's a quick way to get my mind back into the Wheel of Time mindset, uh, just because he uses that same line over and over and over again at the beginning of every book. So I I really like that one. It's stable. quite a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. a stabilizing influence. Sure, I wrote down like seven. Okay, let's, but, I mean, let's hear one. I, well, I, some of them are, are more than one line, but uh, this one I, I liked. It was It's actually a couple of lines, but it's a quote from Lan. You can never know everything, Lan said quietly, and part of what you know is always wrong, perhaps even the most important part. A portion of wisdom lies in knowing that. A portion of courage lies in going on anyway. I'm like, I like that line. That's, uh, you, you can never, I mean... Everything that you do in life, every decision you make is going to be clouded in doubt and uncertainty. And the key to making it successfully in this life is just continuing forward and and taking chances, you know, based on what you know and disregarding, not necessarily disregarding, but going on anyway, despite what you don't know. I, I liked that line a lot. Yeah. Okay. 
I have to be honest, as I was thinking through quotes, like my favorite moments, I'm like, oh yeah, I like this one, I like this one, and I'm searching three different ones. And I'll admit that like 90% of them came out of the Brandon Sanderson sections of the books. <laughs> it's like I love them, but there's a few that I, that still stuck with me that I was like, this, I love this for, not so much necessarily that the line itself was amazingly written, but the scene culminated in that moment. For example, I know that you two heartless, soulless men didn't care for the golden crane as much as Kyle and I did. But the uh, come golden. On. <laughs> that's that's one of the. Come I'm on sorry. Now. Yeah. Pet, pet peeve. Pet peeve. When I say, when I say, oh yeah, it didn't uh, it, it didn't make me cry like it made you cry. All you hear is, oh, Craig hated it. Blah. Right. And I, I didn't. I, I said, just because it didn't resonate with me yet doesn't mean it won't resonate Craig with all, me once we yeah. get moving. I Craig mean, and I'm Ken also saying. didn't cry when Boromir died, nor did they cry during the Notebook. So you know what though? <laughs> I'll tell notebook. you what. The I, I think one of the only times I've ever cried in theaters was when uh, when Aragorn and everybody else knelt to the hobbits at the end of Return of the King. Oh, it slays me every single time. Ugh, that yeah, that kills me. Uh, so I do have some sort of heart where hobbits are concerned i when, suppose when they crushed eleanor and gone in 60 seconds i cried <laughs> at that oh right uh okay other, other quotes yeah i have two okay um one is from Luz theron in lord of chaos or no it's not in lord of chaos it's in path of daggers and he it's when he speaks to rand directly and he says i would not mind having you in my head if you were not so clearly mad <laughs> yeah that's a that's a <laughs> really a good, good one. one of my favorites and then one of my other favorites is kind of similar to what Ryan was saying. It's for the scene mostly, not necessarily that it's like this crazy, well-written phrase or like existential thing, but it's in the prologue for the eye of the world and it's Ishamael. And he says, he's speaking to Luz Theron as Luz Theron is going crazy. <clears throat> and he says, look at you. Once you stood among the first among the servants once you wore the ring of the Tamerlan and sat in the high seat, once you summoned the nine rods of dominion, now look at you, a pitiful shattered wretch, but it is not enough. You humbled me in the hall of the servants. You defeated me at the gates of Par Parandesan, but I am the greater now. I will not let you die without knowing that. When you die, your last thought will be the full knowledge of your defeat, of how complete and utter it is if I let you die at all. Nice. Ishmael is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I just met him again in book 12. I'm very interested in where mm. this is going. Um, anyway, uh, okay, very good. Ryan, did we get a quote from you? I got another one here. Okay. Um, I, I, this I, one's from... My memory doesn't go back five minutes, and so <laughs> that's fine. Uh, this one's from The Fires of Heaven. Um, it's Birgitta Silverbow, and she says, I always say, if you must mount the gallows, give a jest to the crowd, a coin to the hangman, and make the drop with a smile on your lips. Oh, that was a good Yeah, one that was uh, one of Tomas, Tomas 115's uh, uh, quotes as well. I should spend more time on Reddit. Um, and then there was another... You really should. You should. You come hang out. Yeah. We're, we're fun. I pop in long enough. I usually get a notification someone's angry at me, so I pop in long enough to defend myself <laughs> and then get back out. <laughs> Uh, the other one that Tomas mentioned is there is one rule above all others for being a man. Whatever comes, face it on your feet. I love that one too. That was, yeah, I wrote that one down. They have, there are a lot of pithy sayings um, in this series that, that carry over for a long time. The one, um, 
death is light as a feather duty is heavy as as a a mountain mountain. yeah like those are ones i mean those ones that carry over it's like okay yeah i could get that tattooed on my lower back i'm good with that (laughs) one of my one of my favorites i I volunteer as tribute i will tattoo that on your back one of my favorites (laughs) is from matt and he says something along the lines of i'm no bloody lord as he always says i'm Mm -hmm. no bloody lord i have too much respect for myself for that (laughs) (laughs) yeah he has a lot of good one-liners okay i like sorry go on can i do do one more yeah let's do one more uh, this one was uh, when when Elaine. I can't remember the woman's name. It was one of those uh, that that Brigida was bringing in. This was in book eleven, I think. That, that Brigida was bringing in to be personal guards and all of that. And uh, she had the cudgel, and she says she's telling the story about the cudgel about how she was bouncing off a guy's head, and and he just he wouldn't go down and everything. And she wasn't scared, and she said uh, said any day you wake up, maybe you die. And then Elaine said, any day you wake up, maybe you die. There were worse ways to look at life, Elaine supposed. I was like, I like that. Like, you can't be scared. It goes along with the one that lands. You can't be scared of, you know, what you can't control. Just keep moving forward. So. Duly noted. Yeah. I like that, too. I like that one. Uh, okay, let's move on and uh, and rank. I want to rank Robert Jordan among fantasy authors. If he even makes your top five. Basically, what I asked for, if you guys have them is your top five fantasy authors. And uh, and and this couldn't be... This is not, for all those listening, about to shout at your car stereo. <laughs> Just uh, settle down a little bit because this is not about who are the best. Who are your top five? Can I? That was right. my clarification because I'm like, I have two lists. One is the order of... I'd actually like to hear both. Can I um, Can I go it's... first? Because mine is, is going to be very limited um, based on just my limited experience of fantasy writers so i mean obviously it's going to be brandon sanderson first because because i just am a, a sanderson wonk at this point but absolutely robert jordan would be in my top five i think because he's he's been so influential on so many other people but uh and george rr R. martin would be up there because his world building is incredible as well but but then my experience gets kind of limited jim butcher is a fantastic writer of what episodic I guess books and David Eddings would have to be on there just because again, that's because you, of... you've read him. Yeah. Cause I've read him. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, but, but that's it. And then, you know, I mean, you've got CS Lewis and J.R. Tolkien and these people who are legends, but I haven't really fully experienced them. Right. So. Right. Okay. Anyway, uh, Ryan, are you ready? You look like you're punching in notes on your iPad. No, I can, I, I'm ready. I'm, I, I'm already questioning my decisions. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay, so which which list are you doing first? So this is my my personal top five. Like, if you put all five authors on a shelf, who am I grabbing first, second, right. third, okay. fourth, fifth? Okay. Um, first will be Brandon Sanderson. I'll grab any of his novels off there first. Um, followed by Jordan. Followed by Tolkien. Then Martin. Then Rowling. Really? Yeah. Okay. Roll, rolling. Rolling. Sorry. Rolling, you rolling. American twit. Um, and then after that, like all fighting for contention in those bottom two, three spots, Neil Gaiman, C.S. Lewis, and David Eddings, mm-hmm. all fighting for those spots. Interesting. Right I haven't read enough Gaiman to know for sure. I think the only, I haven't read American Gods, which I hear is great. Uh, I read Stardust, which sucks. Uh, and so, but like, I, but I'm not willing to say I don't like Neil Gaiman. I just didn't like that book. Mm-hmm. And so I think I need to read some more of his stuff uh, so I can finally pass judgment on him. Read Good Omens, Bad Omens. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. A really that's good another one. good American one. Gods, uh, Good Omens, Bad Omens. But yeah, 
that was kind of my top 10 of people that I have read at least some of their work. Yeah. Like, there's nobody on there that I hadn't read any because um, I've tried reading a little bit of Martin. I have a hard time rating him because I haven't read all of the works that are currently available and he hasn't finished his series yet. That's that's a, that's a uh, why I left Rothfuss off mine. But we'll, we'll get to that. Kyle, do you have a list? Yeah, um, yeah. This is my personal, not necessarily oh, wait. like... There was another... Rival. Yeah, did you want my, to finish off with your... My top five of all time to, right like, now. Like this is... Uh, the, in terms of their skill as an author. The VH1 countdown list. Yes, and it, it has about as much value as a VH1 <laughs> <laughs> countdown list. Um, I put first Tolkien as the father of yep. fantasy science fiction. Um, that's He goes there. Well, not science fiction, but so, anyway. Well, fantasy, yeah. yes. Um, I actually put Sanderson right after him uh, for his consistent uh, growth in in the field, taking it um, even further. Jordan right underneath Sanderson. Okay. And then I have uh, C.S. Lewis. And then I battled between putting Martin there and Rowling. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice. But between those two, um, there there were a few other people that like I really debated in that list, but I couldn't. I personally couldn't have judged my experience with their work, right. so I couldn't put them there. So my list actually tracks really closely. So Kyle, can we do yours last? Sure. That's okay. Fine. Uh, because my list, uh, this is my like, it's kind of a combination, I guess. I tried to weight it so that it would make sense as a top 10 or top five of all time and also just like my personal favorites uh but i tried to pick favorites of mine that were actually legitimately good and uh my number five is terry brooks um he gets overlooked a lot um especially because he just kept writing shannara stuff and it, it the quality really did kind of diminish uh, with time uh but you i can't discount just how good the first uh, two or three Shannara series really were. Yeah. He um, certainly deserves at least. Especially the one that you read book four of, uh, or right. at least started book four of. Uh, that series, the, um, oh gosh, it was the second. It was a Shannara. The Scions of Shannara. The, the Scions of Shannara. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, that stuff was. The Talisman, uh, that's the one I started. It was the Talismans of Shannara. That's the one I started on. <laughs> Uh, that series was uh, just absolutely amazing, and I can't recommend it highly enough. So he's my number five. Um, number four, I'm actually going to throw in Lloyd Alexander uh, okay. because yeah. he, well, I'll, I'll just leave it there. I think we'll read him at some point. He's a really quick read. It's kind of a children's or middle grade uh, series, but I, I think it's extremely valuable to anyone of any age who is willing to kind of read simpler literature uh and you want to talk about well-drawn characters and an interesting world like he nailed it um so that was my number three or number four number three is robert jordan number two is sanderson and number one is tolkien uh there you go nice. those are pretty obvious so kyle let's kick it to you and make fun of your list sure um dr seuss dr seuss <laughs> no um number one is robert jordan for me okay um there is no other author that I will as readily reread as Robert Jordan. So that's kind of my... Yet. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Never I'm, say never, but it's... Uh... It's, it's fair. I'm, I'm 30 years old. I have a whole life's worth of reading to do, so, <laughs> so far. Um, number two, for me, I hesitate to put Sanderson as number two because I've only read 
two of his books. Um, so I like what I've read. I've read the first two Mistborn books, well, one and a half of them. Um, and then obviously the last three of The Wheel of Time. So I'll probably tentatively put him as number two um, because I like what I see so far. I'd put Rothfuss as number three. Um, and Craig, before you have an aneurysm, the reason I'm not putting <laughs> Tolkien up as high for me personally is because I don't reread him. I wouldn't go pick him off the shelf and reread it over those other three. That's unfair. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll watch the movies again and again, but I don't, I mean, I love Tolkien's world. I love the story. Obviously I don't particularly enjoy sitting down and reading. He has a, because it's, language wise, he has a higher mm-hmm. barrier of entry yeah, yeah. than most other authors that we're talking about. Yeah. I think and that's it's, and I'm just too dumb to read it. Pretty much. That's what Craig's saying. Um, but I will put yes. him on there as number four. And number five, I'd probably put Scott Lynch. Oh, nice. Gentleman Bastard yep. series. Okay. And an honorable mention to, and this one's kind of out of left field, Neil Pert, uh, the drummer for Rush. Because <laughs> he wrote the liner notes for 2112? Because or? he wrote all of their lyrics for all of their concept albums. And if you go listen to those stories or read through those stories, they are fascinating. So... All right. Yeah. Hey, I like that. You That's know, cool. I've, That's good, yeah. Left field is rewarding today. I, I've got a question for you. I was reading someone else's comment um, somewhere, and they had said, Tolkien, Tolkien was the father of fantasy. Jordan revitalized... Was the weird-ass uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan revitalized, the ser- revitalized fantasy after it takes a dip in the 80s and... Things like that when he uh, starts with the Wheel of Time being the next kind of figurehead or masthead for right. for the genre, and now Sanderson has taken it one step further than that there, and just kind of they've built there. Mm-hmm. So you put those three in a room, and you have to kind of cage match that out: Sanderson, Tolkien, and Jordan. Who are you taking? Who, like, who am I? <laughs> like, who's going to win in a cage fight? Because Sanderson's a huge dude. So. And the other two are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> so much for this conversation. I think, no. it's, I think it's one of those conversations that's They're... hard because you don't have Jordan or Sanderson without Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but I also feel like that discredits Jordan and Sanderson to a certain degree because they do bring their own things to fantasy. Um, you know, if, if, my, my um, analogy for the last little while, and I've been working on this a little bit. And so you may see it in, uh, in different places as I flesh it out a little bit more is that if, if uh, stories are buildings then we were living in huts and a few people tried to build like castles and stuff, but Tolkien came along and built a skyscraper. And then Jordan comes along and he builds like Wichita with, <laughs> you know, a few, a few skyscrapers and it's really cool and nobody had seen anything like it. And then Sanderson is coming along and he's trying to build Manhattan. Yeah. Right. And so you, you can't necessarily say like, which one is the best? Because you had to learn how to build skyscrapers and Tolkien mm-hmm. taught us how to build skyscrapers. And then Jordan took it a step further, like you said. And mm-hmm. then Sanderson is kind of the culmination of this type of storytelling, at least so far. I was going to use the analogy of transportation, but I like yours. Uh, 
I'm very smart. Yeah, because you, you, you absolutely don't have Jordan without Tolkien. Right. And, and you 100% do not have Brandon Sanderson without, without Robert Jordan. Jordan. I mean, he said he said as much. So. Yeah. I don't know. Does that satisfy you, Ryan? Eh, no, but uh, <laughs> we can move on. So who, who wins? It's, I Personally, I would probably take Tolkien uh, just because I think that he grasped the purpose of stories better than uh, than any other storyteller I know of. Um, he understood it on such a fundamental level uh, because that was his day job, essentially, was to understand stories and language and all that. He understood it so well um, that his stories have more uh, a more lasting cultural impact. Um, it, what, how do I say this? Individually. His stories have a more lasting cultural in- impact than I think Robert Jordan's will or probably Sanderson's. I think I could see Tolkien being read uh, 200 years from now. Um, I'm not sure that I see that for Robert Jordan, and that is not a judgment call. That's more of you a, just got put on like eighty hit lists. It's a it's a it's a judgment it's a judgment against society, not against Robert Jordan. But mm-hmm. does that make sense? No, I think yeah. it's fair. I I will equate Tolkien to the Beatles. There you go. I don't like the Beatles. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you appreciate their impact. I appreciate their impact, but I I will never ever queue up the Beatles on my Spotify playlists. And in fact, if they come up on random, I usually skip past them. Hey, Kyle, you, Kyle come here. You I, and I, I want to hold agreement. your hand. No, no. <laughs> you, are, um, you and I. But are again, you can't. You, you know, I can appreciate the Beatles for what they for their impact on music, for their impact on the culture, and for what they've done to help other artists. Um, but doesn't mean that I enjoy. Doesn't listening. mean I have to yeah. like them. And yeah. I'm also probably not going to pull Tolkien off the shelf until I read it to my kids for the first time. Right. Um. But. Again, I love the story. Okay. So if, if Tolkien is the Beatles, who is our Bieber? Who's our Bieber? <laughs> uh, uh, there you go, Redditors. Tell us who is the fantasy. <laughs> if Tolkien is the Beatles, who is the fantasy equivalent of Who's Justin Bieber? Bieber? <laughs> uh, would that be like E.L. James? Ugh, Different no kind of fantasy. Um, Fifty Shades. Yeah. Died. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are coming up on an hour. We'll go a little bit over. I'm sure that the Robert Jordan fans will be just shattered that we have talked about Robert Jordan for an hour. Um, but uh, I wanted to finish out with everybody's uh, kind of elevator pitch for Robert Jordan. And so you have 30 seconds, and I will shout at you when if you go over 30 seconds. But somebody says, Sam, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about picking up wheel of time should i do it and and if, and you say yeah i think you should read it and then the question is you know tell me about robert jordan tell me about his writing style or the world or whatever in 30 seconds or less try to sell this book series to me so who wants to go first kind of tempted to call on kyle since you're the since you're the the sure usually here. usually my response is you're not ready for this <laughs> try to read something else first and work your way up to it um uh, i i usually will pitch it in fact i rarely pitch it to most of my friends or people that i know even though it is my favorite series um it's just so hard to pitch because of the scope how long it is the investment i mean we've been doing it for almost a year now on the podcast and i feel like we're doing it at a pretty 
pretty okay pace. Five seconds. Um, yeah, yeah, your time's nope. up. All nope. right. Ken? I don't recommend it. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I say, yes, go ahead and, and give it a shot because the story is fantastic. The characters are great, and he does a good job of, of describing the conflict between the good guys and the bad guys and stick with it through that first couple of books. Cause the first, I, I will admit the first couple of books are a little bit of a slog, but stick with it because it gets really good and it gets really good fast. And you'll probably want to go back and read the first couple of books again. I know I do. Okay. Ryan. Robert Jordan is a fantastic gifted author that wrote fan, uh, amazing worlds, enjoyable characters and a magic system that is very unique and fun to follow. And you can find yourself totally immersed in the world as you read through it. And you will find yourself enjoying it, but you will also find yourself getting lost at times. That's okay. Continue on the journey. It's worth it. Um, and just realize that his, uh, what he's saying in this, there's so much there that you can, you can, you, you'll pick up a ton as you go through it and enjoy the journey. All right. Hey, that was pretty quick. Uh, okay, so mine would be, I'm trying to time myself here. Uh, mine would be, what's your favorite TV show? How long did it last? Was every season good? Probably, or it, was every season as good as its best seasons? Probably not. And so just think of it that way. This is a 14 season run. And some of them are immensely pleasurable. Some of them are less pleasurable. Uh, but by the time you get to the end, or at least uh, for me, by the time you get to the end of book 11, you'll look back and say, no, that was definitely worth my time. Yeah, anyway. Hey. Can I say I find it very interesting, and I don't know if this is a mark against Robert Jordan or against the situation or everything, but I feel like 90% of the people who talk about, do, to give an elevator pitch about Wheel of Time, feel like you have to put the caveat to warn people about... Yep about something in the series like you you just got to realize it's going to take you know there's going to be a lull in book seven to twelve or seven to ten and you know and i i don't know if it's, it's a mark like, against him but... i'm not sure because i think uh you know like I, I mentioned tolkien being this you know the the er author in my book uh for various reasons but whenever somebody says oh yeah i've been thinking about reading lord of the rings i usually say okay that's fine just be aware mm-hmm yeah. It's going to be five pretty long chapters before I, you really get going with the I story. I think it's more of a commentary on our society and how lazy we are. Attention spans it's a, that's and all exactly that. Exactly. And a how deep we want to actually get. Because yeah. it's like, this is an investment. This is going to be a time investment, an intellectual investment, and an emotional investment. And an imaginative yeah. investment. And if you're not right. willing to put in that work, it's not worth it to you. But if you do put in that work, it will be... Probably one of the greatest stories that you will read. But that's might not really, be the greatest, but it will probably be one of one of the greatest that you will yeah. read. That's really There's, a lot of things with length like that, though. I mean, fourteen books. Ugh, that's too long, you know. But it, yeah, stick with it. Even it'll be worth. Even it. pitching one of these books to people that aren't already epic fantasy readers. Yeah, you say like it's how many pages? Here's the Eye of the World. It's nine hundred pages long, <laughs> and they say nope. So. Yeah. No, that's that's true. All a right. challenge out for our, our Reddit group, whatever. Try and describe the Wheel of Time series in a tweet. Ooh. Ugh. Oh. Wait, a now tweet uh, or a 280 character tweet? Preferably, <laughs> preferably in haiku form uh, or limerick <laughs> form. I actually, I, I was, I, I am not kidding. I was showering this morning and I came up with like five different Wheel of Time limericks. 
I was like, oh, that'll be a fun segment. And then I forgot to write them down. So I don't have any of them. But I had several lim- limericks that I wrote in the shower. So, wow. So we all want to know what you're doing in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, let's cut and run. Unless, uh, Kyle, did you have a final No, I was going to say, did you want to rapid fire the rest of your questions that you posted on Reddit or no? Uh, no, not really. We got through right. most of them. Uh, we kind of talked about what. Uh, the fantasy world owes RJ a little bit. Um, no, I think we, I think we got there. Was there anything that I left off that you really wanted to talk about? Not necessarily. I like the question about like if you could have RJ oh. write something about you, like describe something <laughs> about you. What would it be? What was the three that you? It was. Uh, it, would you rather have Robert Jordan describe your clothing, your furniture, or your idios- idiosyncratic tics? Which one would you rather have him describe for you? probably my furniture i don't want him talking about how i folded my arms under my moobs <laughs> <laughs> no i want i want to know what my idiosyncratic tics are yeah, that's, I you know, he'll come up with that. such a better name than captain nose whistle <laughs> <laughs> hey that's uh it has stuck for three years so um yeah i would go definitely go with ticks. yeah i think i'd go with that as well okay all right and on that note thanks for listening everybody uh it's been a very enjoyable 24 four episodes i think uh now with the end of this one Uh, so thank you for listening to the robert jordan series and we will close out with six or maybe seven more if we do a final look back on the series after the last episode um anyway so there is more to come and we hope you'll stick with us for that head to uh patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show and then go to uh, thelegendarium.reddit.com to join the conversation there and we will see all of you in the comments sections where you may uh, dismantle everything that we just said. And uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.